welcome back to another hard-hitting edition of Radio Free USA. I'm your host this week, Tariq, along with my co-host, Rahul. Rahul, how are you doing this week? Pretty good, man. It's, we're in the dog days of summer. The dog days of summer, or as some call it, treason season here at Radio treason Free season. USA. Treason season, that's right. It's, tr- it's treason season, baby. Uh, it's, been, it's been a few weeks since we last recorded. Um, but you know, true to form, uh, trees and season style, uh, there's been a lot of activity. So, uh, we're, we're excited to be back, uh, and, and there's yeah. a lot to talk about. And, and you know who else I'm excited that is back? Uh, it's former president Barack Obama. Um, That's right. Yeah. Cheers did you have the him. chance to, did you have the chance to listen to his, his speech at Nelson Mandela's 100th birthday party or whatever the event was? I didn't hear the whole speech, but I heard it's getting plenty of praise on, on both sides, Rahul. So uh, you want to give Many us a little sides. bit of a uh, – there's, there's, there's praise to be had on both sides. Want to give <laughs> yeah. us a bit of an update? Um, yeah, I haven't seen the entire thing, but although it is something that, you know, when I'm feeling lonely at night, I might have to, like, whip up the speech and watch the whole thing to, like, you know, feel warm and nice inside. Uh, but essentially, you know, Obama, on the occasion of uh, what would be Nelson Mandela's 100th birthday – um, kind of just did one of his Obama style speeches talking about uh, Mandela's legacy and like what we need as a global society moving forward. Um, yeah, I've been a little frustrated, I think, in the last year that Obama hasn't been out there, you know, as much as we really need him to be considering how fucking insane everything is. Um, but it's nice when we do get the little snippets, if he's like doing an interview at some conference or like, yeah, in this case, giving a speech for, you know, a different reason or I hope that, you know, as his foundation kind of builds up and he's going to release a book and he, he's going to get more and more involved in public life. Um, it's just it's it's nice to see. It reminds you of like it reminds you of a better a better era in in American history. Oh, that's right, man. We need a little bit of uh, of the ex the ex-husband coming back in, you know, and uh, and showing America, you know, what it used to be like uh, in better days. But yeah, no, it was definitely great to see Obama coming back out. We'd love to see more of him. Uh, and and yeah, Rahul, it was it, it was much needed after the week that we had. Um, you know, it all it all started with the treason season that we talked about, uh, and there was the old uh, Helsinki Helsinki handshake between Putin and uh, and Trump last week. Wait, don't you mean the Helsinki hand job? Well, that's right. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's the Helsinki <laughs> the Helsinki job. Yeah. Uh, and, and what is it like? Why does Trump look so uh, servile in the presence of Putin? Like he just presence of Putin. He looks so confident, chest out, arrogant. He looks he's, he's an utter asshole in front of other world leaders. Uh, and when he's in front, in front of Putin, his body language is just sort of like shrugged. You know what I'm talking about? He just looks like uh, like like I said, like servile. Yeah, I mean, it's uh it's disgusting and like what what i find striking and yeah Tark, you can kind of walk us through i think some of your observations on the actual kind of outcomes or lack thereof and some of the i think details of the meeting but i think at a high level what struck me is just that i I feel like we know where this ends like we don't know specifically what has occurred between the trump family and the russian government or the russian oligarchs or putin himself etc but like the writing is on the wall here just like every step of the way trump's going out of his way to you know try to destroy putin's enemies and like and irrationally 
support Putin in, yeah, as you said, a servile manner. So, like, there's something there. There's obviously some sort of financial stakes going on, investments or something, or, like, money laundering or something. I don't know. It's I feel like it's obvious, and in a couple of years, maybe, or maybe it's some point down the road, if, even if we don't find out soon, we'll eventually... At, when we're older, know exactly what was going on, and we're going to be even more ashamed of uh, this current era than we already are. You know, absolutely. I mean, he's the only world leader that Trump refuses to criticize. Um, you know, the, the the summit was, um, I think, really highlighted Rahul by not only the body language, the the obvious, you know, aura of compromise. Uh, which it was really the first time that we saw people on both sides, you know, Fox News, the right wing media, as well as the, you know, the middle of the road media and the left wing media saying that Trump really looked compromised. He he ref- he threw the intelligence community under the bus. And the, the key phrase Rahul here was would and wouldn't. Right. Where where if, if our listeners will remember this at the at the press conference. You know, Trump was asked a direct question as to whether he trusted and believed his intelligence community, who overwhelmingly presented evidence that the Russians interfered in the 2016 election. And Trump said, Putin told me he didn't do it. Uh, I don't see any reason why he would do it. All right. And this was seen as really a treasonous statement. Uh, that's what John Brennan, the former CIA director under Obama, said. He called it treasonous. Uh, and that's exactly what it was, Rahul. And then there was such a backlash for, on both sides. But really, the Fox News backlash caught Trump off guard here. Uh, and what ultimately happened was the, the day he returned to D.C., he said, well, you know, I thought it was obvious. I actually really meant to say wouldn't. I, I see no reason why he wouldn't do it. It was kind of a double negative <laughs> is, what, is what he said, okay? And oh, my God. like, Rahul, when I saw that, I was having my dinner, and I almost, like, spat the food out. I laughed so hard when I heard him say, like, it was wouldn't instead of would. I mean, what a lame excuse. What, what were your thoughts on that, Rahul? I mean, you said you almost spat your food out. I almost like sharded myself uh, with laughter, you know, when I first heard that. Um, Which is rare. It's rare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. And obviously he's fucking lying. And it was, yeah, you said like the Fox News backlash probably caught him off guard. That's probably what it was. He was it was like, he truly doesn't give a shit about the, the election meddling. Like, I, I think what we can say with certainty is he does not care. You know, it's like, because it, it, it if you know in his mind if there was meddling it was in service of him so it's like so therefore that's good you know so he's so he's been trying to he's been uh, poorly trying to deflect on this topic and just be like oh yeah whatever i don't you know who knows you know anyone could have done it uh but really absolutely. what he means is like i i approve of this since it helped me you know absolutely um, and and the weird thing about this rahul is that he he tried to backtrack and say that, no, I really meant wouldn't. And I, you know, I believe the intelligence community. Uh, and then I don't know if you've caught this, but the, like when he was giving this statement back in DC, the lights went out temporarily. And then he said, Oh, it was probably the intelligence community, <laughs> which was like another oh, dig. Uh, and yeah, then that, he ended up. That's another Freudian going, slip there. You know, he's, he's, you know, he distrusts the CIA because he thinks that they're trying to undermine him or whatever. Uh, absolutely. Just, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and then and then he then ultimately walked back again, and, and he made other statements saying, you know, it could be the Chinese, it could have been anyone. So it's it's just so frustrating to have a president who 
is so obviously in plain sight behaving in such a, a manner contradictory to American values and American interests. And it is treason. Uh, and I know some people will say, well, technically in the Constitution, it says that, that America needs to be at war for, for someone to be guilty of treason. But if you look up treason in the dictionary, you will see that the definition of, you know, applies to what we have happening at the moment. Uh, and it was further, um, Rahul, further accentuated by remarks from a Republican congressman from Texas, Will Hurd, who wrote an op-ed in the New York Times this week. And get this, guys. This was the title. Trump's being manipulated by Putin. What should we do? Question mark. Rahul, what, what should we do? Yeah, if you're a Republican congressman, you have to fucking do something. Like, I, like, I think it seems like more than, you know, more than the kind of racism and the Muslim ban and kind of like all of the child separation and, and you know, kind of destroying, undermining America from within. Uh, it seems like this hit a nerve with some Republicans, right? Like where they were like, you know, they're, they're neocon, like, you know, uh, they're neocon, like G spot got like, got hit by, got like triggered by this. Right. Where they're like, <laughs> Oh, I hate Russia. But like they, but they're not going to do anything about, yeah. uh, about, you know, about Trump himself or uh, vote to hold him accountable for any manner or to, you know, vote to protect Robert Mueller. It's just like, it's empty words. So yeah, this guy can write a, an op-ed in the New York times if he wants, but I mean, if you're not doing shit, then like, I don't, I don't think it matters, but. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and Rahul, what, like, what do you make of this whole, cause I have thoughts on this as well, but like there's, I, can it be possible that the Russians interfered in the U.S. election uh, and it's at the same time potentially there was no direct collusion like like do you have to accept is it an all or nothing basically because Trump seems to always say no collusion no collusion whenever we talk about this evidence right but isn't it possible that the Russians interfered and perhaps there wasn't direct collusion with with Trump himself no I think that probably is going to end up being the case which is going to be unfortunate for us because then you know, if there, there there may not be as direct of a connection to like legally build a case against Trump or the the family as much as as much as maybe we we would have assumed at the beginning of um, uh, Robert Mueller's investigation. Yeah, because yeah. the, the Russians have been attempting this meddling for you know many years before Trump like started running or before anyone could have seriously thought that he would have a chance at the nomination or the actual presidency. So, yeah. you know, the Russians are doing stuff on their own for the, out of their own interest. And I think what, what probably happened is that, um, yeah, Trump's more of a useful idiot type figure. And there probably is some financial stakes going on where uh, either, I don't think, I don't know if the PP tape exists, but like, um, yeah, Trump was trying to get real estate developments in Russia or like uh, through yeah. back channels through the Cayman Islands and things that are documented in the Paradise Papers and the Panama Papers that like there's this flow of money coming illegally from Russia and kind of essentially being laundered to uh, groups like the Trump uh, the, the Trump like organization because they couldn't get funding from like normal banks. So yeah. I, th- I feel like that's that's probably truly where there's something Um but it, which is, it's still which possible. Is, like maybe there was direct collusion as well. Well, maybe there was direct collusion, and I I think that you know what because I had a conversation with a with a fellow Democrat um, on at brunch on Saturday about this. But I think look, there are many on the Democratic side who really don't want to go there and say that there was direct collusion, and I think that's because there's reluctance 
and I think rightfully so, that Trump is a moron. And how is it possible that Trump could A, keep his mouth shut or B, be, be intellectually capable of taking part in such an elaborate conspiracy? So, like, look, I, I get that, right? And I get the hesitance there. But in my mind, it's much more nuanced. And this is where it's, it's challenging, Rahul, for us as Democrats to, like, I think, really run on this because Trump is going to sit there and say there was no collusion. And, and others will say, show me evidence. There's no evidence that there was direct collusion. But the truth is, it's a lot more muddied, like you were talking about, Rahul. You know, he's compromised. He has economic interests in Russia to a disproportionate degree. Donald Trump Jr. said years ago that, um, that they have a disproportionate amount of their portfolio rests in Russia, right? So he, they are beholden to Russia. And then on the other hand, you had this issue of what people call meddling. But like, honestly, um, w- like meddling is like the most mundane term we can use for this. Like th- there was, it was, a, it was an attack on the electoral system, frankly. And there were, there were 50 secretaries of state, Rahul, I don't know if you caught this, who wrote from all 50 states who wrote a, a letter this week saying that, that the R- Russians attacked their election systems in all the states. And that doesn't mean that they influenced or changed any votes, like as in they didn't hack in and change like a Republican vote to a Democratic vote, but they were probing. They were getting inside the systems. They were attacking the voting systems of all 50 states, which is really, really troubling. And so there, there is a lot of involvement from Russia. And the last point of this for me, Rahul, is that I think when, when we talk about did Russia influence the 2016 election or not, they absolutely did. And if you just want one example, go to the Comey letter, okay? So the Comey letter, we know, swung the election for Trump, right? There's, there's a disproportionate amount of polling evidence of that, and Comey himself regrets that. And why did Comey do that? Well, there was a, there was a certain amount of, like, organic climate, right? Again, there's this sort of anti-Hillary climate and hysteria runner emails, right, that was, that was already out there, okay? The Russians didn't create that. But the Russians capitalized on that and they manipulated that and they hacked into the DNC and they released all these emails through Goose for 2.0 and WikiLeaks and et cetera, right? And they, they really, in a way, took advantage of the situation. And I, and I think you can argue there and say the Russian interference in the election really culminated in the Comey letter. Uh, Comey didn't have to do that. Russians didn't force Comey to reopen that investigation or write that letter, but they contributed to a climate that ultimately led to that letter. Uh, and I do think that you can say that the rest, that they did change votes uh, through their interference. Uh, and and for, I would point to the Comey letter. So it's, it's a lot more nuanced. And as you could tell, it takes a long time to make that case, whereas Trump can just go there and say there was no collusion, show me, show me evidence of no collusion or of collusion. But um, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's troubling, Rahul. Um, can yeah. I ask you a question? What, what, what do you take of this invitation, formal invitation, uh, for for Putin to come to the White House in the fall. Well, that'll solve all of our problems once and for all, right? <laughs> the great, the art of the deal, right? The art of the deal, deal or no deal. I mean, like, who who does Trump think he is that he can invite Putin formally to the White House? I mean, like, I get I get meeting with Putin, Rahul, but like, come on, inviting him to the White House, like that seems like. It's a victory dance. Like, is he going to bring him into the Oval Office and let him fucking sit in the chair? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just. I mean, e- even if, even if, like, let's give Trump the complete benefit of the doubt and say, like, there actually is no collusion and he's actually trying to behave in America's best interests or something. Yeah, sure. It's, it's just weird optics at a minimum, right? It's like while you're being investigated by Mueller 
on uh, Russian collusion shit. And while like everyone's up in arms about what Russia did in the 2016 election, like why the fuck are you like you know opening a, a, unrolling the red carpet for him at the White House? You know, at a minimum, it's just like weird optics. Uh, but obviously, at the other end, it's like it's, if he is like a compromised idiot, basically, like well, this makes sense. He's inviting Daddy over. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and inviting Daddy over. Meanwhile, and this segues into our second topic, Rahul. Um, he said that the EU is the biggest foe that the United States has right now. Okay, so the other big thing that happened since our last recording was uh, Trump was in Europe. He had uh, taken part in the NATO summit, right? And uh, NATO, for all you, all you listeners out there, obviously is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Uh, it, it is basically the descent, the defense uh, defensive bulwark against Russian aggression in Europe. Okay. Uh, and in the U S is the, obviously the main contributor in terms of finance finances and also the, you know, the number of troops and weapons. Uh, but our EU allies are there on the, you know, and they, they really, they have been a key part of this alliance set up by the United States. And Trump said that the EU is the biggest foe that we have uh, and NATO is basically made up of the United States and the EU, right? And pl- plus, plus Canada and a few others, but it's mainly the EU. So Rahul, I mean, is the EU the biggest foe that the United States have? Oh, of course. Those, those, uh, those smug European jerks. You know, France just won the World Cup and they think they're going to tell us what to do. With their uh, health care. Yeah, with their health care and their high standard of living. Uh, and I think in certain, in especially Northern European countries, the uh, higher standard of, I think, happiness. You know, wh- how dare they? Yeah, what do they think they're doing? They're, they're like rubbing in our faces. They're, they're happy. They have health care. Their economy is doing well. Um, and, and Trump, Rahul, uh, thought he was going to bully them into spending more on defense. Uh, and he claimed victory out of this whole ordeal by saying that, you know, he was able to get an unprecedented deal where they would agree to uh, increase their defense spending from 2% of GDP to 4% of GDP, Rahul. And this, this, Trump claimed that this was his big accomplishment, right? The art of the deal. Uh, and then John Paul Junker, the, uh, the head of the European Union, uh, the, Euro- the EU Commission, and he came out and said, we never agreed to that. We never agreed to So he's just like outright lying that he was able to convince the EU member states to contribute 4%. Now, ironically, apparently Obama was the one who was also pushing them quite hard to to spend more on defense, right? So Trump's not the first one, but I mean, I, it just it was it caught me off guard. And Rahul, I have to admit, I was somewhat alarmed that Trump actually said that the EU was the biggest foe that the United States had. And I really, honestly, just hope that people in Europe recognize that Trump is a moron. He's a madman, and he doesn't speak for the American people, right? He may be the president, yeah. but he does not speak for the American people because you are not our foes. Okay, Russia, China, you know, Iran, Venezuela, you couldn't, North Korea, you could have named anyone, right? But the European Union, Rahul, I mean, those baguettes are pretty, they're they're pretty dangerous. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, if they get a little too, you know, crisp on the outside, they could be like a lethal (laughs) weapon. Uh, Yeah, this, I mean, I think tying back to, you know, the first topic of Trump being compromised by Putin, it just seems out of a fucking playbook that it's like, why is he antagonizing the EU so much? Uh, and unless it, I, one of the only reasons it, it would make sense is if he's literally, you know, Putin at some point in a back channel, like requested that Trump do this, uh, that would make some logical sense. 
Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the oh, the other thing I forgot to bring up in the in the Russia section, Rahul, was the tweet that he where he said that the U.S. is responsible for the shitty state of U.S.-Russia relations. Do you see that? He said that the the they're, they're the the relations are the worst that they've ever been because of mis what, what what was the word he used like foolish or or stupid or misguided U.S. policy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And um, the thing that worries me, I mean, st- stepping outside of uh, Trump yeah. being a compromised Russian agent, uh, <laughs> what, what, what worries me with some of this rhetoric also with the EU is just like, how long is it going to take for us to rebuild these relationships, you know? Like, let's say best case, best case scenario, I suppose, is uh, Trump is impeached, Mike Pence is in office for like two years, Democrat wins, and then we try to get back, and with a huge majority, and then we try to get back to normal. Like, it's going to be difficult. Like, I, I would be wary if I was the, your, uh, a Western democracy to be like, yo, America, like, are you for real this time? Like, you know, if, if, if say like Obama 2.0 comes in and this person's awesome and they're like, hey, sorry, let's like, let's get back on track to our previous relationship. Like, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be unreasonable for each of these European nations or the union combined to be like, Mm, you guys are the ones that voted for Trump, you know? Yeah, it's really it's really funny you said that. Like, in a way, like, I'm sure from a strictly a European perspective, the U.S. is kind of like an abusive boyfriend who, you know, the, Bush was, was the abusive one. And then Trump came, or uh, Obama came back in and was like, no, you know, baby, I love you. That wasn't the real me, you know? And we finally got things back up to, like, a decent state. Uh, and then Trump comes in and he's back to the old tricks, you know, it's like uh, Bush on steroids, you know, so they they must be skeptical and, and they're probably looking around. And uh, if you want evidence of that, I don't know if you knew this, Rahul, but um, the European Union signed a massive new free trade agreement with Japan this week. Um, and, and this created one of the largest trading areas in the world. So. Europe is going to have to look elsewhere. Unfortunately, you know, they're looking around, they're saying, okay, can we trust the United States? We've got this guy in the white house who says we're the biggest foe that they have. Uh, and then they're going around saying, okay, who wants to trade with us? Okay. Japan, but like, let's, let's, let's start having, you know, closer trade relationships. I mean, yeah, it's, it's bonkers, but did you, um, did you get any gratification from the Trump baby balloon in London? Come on, Raul, tell me, tell yes. me you love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I love that. Um, yeah. And I, and I saw that there were just more broadly, there were uh, protests in London, right? Um, yeah, huge. But yeah, no, the, ba- the baby was great. There were huge. Uh, huge. The, the, the crowds were bigger than Trump's inauguration, Rahul. Um, there were some of the biggest crowds ever assembled. Uh, you know, which, and, you know, I think the other thing that was ridiculous was that, um, did you see Trump? Kind of, I, I don't know. I didn't read mu- as much into this as some on the on the left, but Trump kind of like walked in front of the Queen of England, you know, oh, yeah. like, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, I just think Trump's a moron. And I, I, yeah. I just don't think he listened when they told him what to do. Um, and ultimately, I think that uh, he ended up just, you know, not really causing too much harm there, but the real story was that the rest of the royal family basically ghosted Trump on that trip. Like usually, there's more than just the queen. There's others there. There's the princes, etc. Um, and guess what? They all were like they wanted nothing to do with Trump. They were like a million miles away, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, no, that, I, I think that was that was encouraging. And um, also, one thing I forgot to mention to you um, before we started taping last week when I was I was in New York last week and I went to a taping of Stephen Colbert's show. Uh, okay, and he, nice. and he actually did, he actually had a, a, a I think a joke about, about something that Trump had said before his European trip, where Trump was like, "Well, we're going to go to the UK, although that's sort of in jeopardy at the moment." I think he was upset about the baby. Yeah, balloon. yeah. Uh, and then yeah. he said, like, then we're going to go over to, uh, oh, where were they having the NATO summit? Uh, anyways, but the uh, second location. And then he's like, then uh, I'm going to go, oh, yeah, Brussels. And then uh, he, he says, like, and then I'm going to go meet with Putin. And he says, strangely, I think Putin will be the best one. Who would have thought that? And then Colbert, it cuts back to Colbert. And he says, everyone would have thought that. Like, <laughs> I thought that. Anyone who was thinking would, would assume that you're going to enjoy the Putin meeting the most. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, of course, of course you would have. Um, and and the the other thing, it was a big story here in in um, in Europe, uh, especially in the UK. But this interview that he gave with a UK tabloid, where he basically it was the day before he met with the Prime Minister Theresa May, and he threw her under the bus. He basically said that, yeah, I told her what to do on Brexit, and she didn't listen to me, and like all this kind of stuff. He was saying that. So basically, there was this big issue in the UK recently, in the last week, where you know, Brexit is kind of a disaster. Um, they, they still don't have an agreement. Uh, and all of these high level, you know, government officials were resigning, okay, over the Brexit proposal from the government because they were yeah, so like Bo- Boris Johnson. I saw that. Exactly. So Boris Johnson is this high is this what they call the Brexiteers, right? The hard, <laughs> which is a pretty, a pretty, pretty funny uh, uh, phrase. Are they like the, they're like the, the teabaggers? Basically, they are the teabaggers of, of the UK, and they want a hard Brexit. They just want to be kicked out on their ass with no deal, right? Uh, which is the worst case scenario for everyone around. And they resigned. And then Trump c- came out and said, "You know, I like Boris Johnson. I've always li- he's always been very nice to me. He said nice things about me, and uh, you know, and basically kind of said like, yeah, he'd be a great prime minister. Okay, in so many words. Uh, and there's there's potential there's potential that he will challenge the prime minister of the UK, uh, right? So it's just he's he's meddling himself uh, in the affairs of our closest allies. But um, Rahul, like, like moving on to our, to our next topic. Um, the, did you hear about these Trump recordings that came out this week? You know, the, the reports of the, of Michael Cohen recording Trump uh, talking about basically using inappropriately uh, campaign funds to, as hush money for a, a playboy bunny. Did you hear about this? I had heard about this, but when you first said, did you hear about the Trump recordings? My mind immediately went to P-tape. But... P-tape, yeah. Well, look, the P-tape is, is, is going to be, you know, the blockbuster. You know, it might win an Oscar potentially, Rahul, when it, when, when it ultimately comes out. Um, and it's going to make Waterworld look like a fucking <laughs> desert. Okay, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and so there was this recording, apparently this two-minute recording of Michael Cohen and Trump talking about how they were going to basically purchase the rights to this story that Kara McDougal, a Playboy, uh, former Playboy bunny, uh, had with uh, the group called AMI. And basically, uh, Trump, Karen claimed that herself and Trump had this years-long affair. Okay dating back to the time when Melania Trump was pregnant and just had their son. Uh, so Rahul, um, you know, it, it's a bit uncertain who released this report, 
But given the fact that we know Trump and Cohen have a proclivity for recording things, uh, it's likely that there are more tapes. And Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenetti, um, claims that apparently there are more tapes and that Michael Cohen is cooperating with them. So do you, th- do you think that Michael Cohen is ultimately going to flip here? Uh, and do you think that he is going to cooperate with Mueller and others or Rahul? Do you think that he's trying to show his hand, show to Trump that he's got dirt on him and potentially make a play for basically a pardon? Do you think that this is all like a ruse for, for Cohen to get a pardon? What do you think? I think it's tough. Yeah, one. Not, yeah. I'm not sure. I think it could go either way because um, one thing I do kind of look forward to as the Mueller probe unfolds is like, which of these people are Trump is going to throw everybody under the bus if possible. Absolutely. So which, so which of them, just by natural human psychology and you know pressures of you know um, law enforcement, s- someone's going to flip. You know whether it's Manafort or uh, or Michael Cohen or someone like it'll yeah. happen at some point because Trump's not going to protect everyone unless he literally you know goes on a on a pardon spree and is like you know yeah be quiet for me and I'll just do a, I'll just issue like pardons for absolutely everyone uh, clear the whole thing i don't i don't know it, it could go either way i think but you think he's uh, gonna pardon I, chris brown uh yeah he probably should he <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah who knows i suppose um but the, the, but there was also this other issue of the the russian spy right who had close connections with the nra do you want to tell our viewers a, a little bit about that yeah absolutely so uh, I don't know when, when exactly the news came out in the last couple weeks, I suppose. Uh, I'm just double checking my notes here. Um, oh, okay, so yeah, so okay, so 29 year old Russian national Maria Butina was uh, was arrested recently, basically on charges of conspiracy and acting as like an agent of Russia. And all these details have come out about her, um, basically that in coming to the U.S., she's kind of gradually tried to grow foster relationships within the NRA and the Republican Party uh, and basically do as much as she could to, uh, I I guess, like do the bidding of uh, the Russian government. And uh, yeah, there were some interesting details that emerged. Like, I don't know how much of this we we can ultimately like tie to, you know, Trump basically, but um, there were some details that came out that, yeah, she had been kind of infiltrating the NRA uh, and she um, has been linked to, uh, a Russian parliament uh, politician, a guy named, I think his name is Alexander Torshin, um, who has also been tied to money laundering and it seems one of the, these like shady kind of Trump government officials. Um, and yeah, some of the details that emerged that were kind of interesting were that in very like James Bond style, uh, she, I think what the term is, I think the term is a honey trap or something where you have like an, a, an attractive person basically like seduce um, someone from a different government and yeah. uh, and then gr- create a relationship and, you know, um, try to leverage some influence over that foreign government or try to, like, learn secret intelligence that, that you can report back to, to your own country, what have you. Uh, so apparently, yeah, she was she had a relationship with this, Republic, quote, Republican operative and lobbyist, Paul Erickson, uh, who was like a 50 something year old, like kind of frumpy middle aged dude. And uh Somehow, like a hot twenty-nine-year-old uh, like Russian woman like wants to shack up with him. She, she started living with him, and this guy didn't suspect anything weird. Seems um, believable. Very yeah, believable. exactly. Right, very believable. Nothing suspicious there. No collusion. Um, 
but uh, but I but I think while she was working on this guy Erickson, she also had been kind of like you know going through going to all sorts of NRA and Republican type events. There are these photos that have been circulating where she met Scott Walker, she met Rick Santorum, I think she met Bobby Jindal, maybe. Um, she also at at a when Trump first started um, running for office, there was a a rare event where Trump was like answering questions from the audience because you know I don't know I guess at that point he he didn't realize that he could just like not answer questions anymore and still be fine. Uh, and this woman actually asked him a question during this event. So there's a YouTube video of it that she basically asked him like, "What do you think of Russian sanctions? Like, do you think this is yeah. fair?" And he basically I don't know if this is under the influence of. Putin, or if he's just being an idiot, he's like, no, no, I think it is kind of unfair. Like, we should, you know, revisit that, uh, the sanctions. Um, yeah, so I think that's all been kind of a fascinating story. I don't know how much to we can tie back to Trump, but th- there's definitely, like, a matter of intrigue here that this uh, this spy got arrested and um, has ties to the Putin government and ties to the Republicans and ties to the NRA, what have you. Absolutely, and I think what we can look at here, and while this may be this is not a you know a silver bullet for collusion okay but again to this to the more nuanced point that i was making earlier it, there was this climate of interference that took place and this was one channel one of many channels you know carter page was a channel the guzifer 2.0 was a channel the the emails were a channel um, you know, probing into the different election systems were a channel. Uh, and I, I think that what this showed, Rahul, was that um, the NRA is such a powerful influencer in the Republican political world that if you're a foreign actor attempting to influence and attack the U.S. electoral system, one of the areas where you would first go to try to gain influence would be the NRA. Right. So what this just shows the power of the NRA again and the fact that the NRA is a is a clear target of foreign adversaries, because if you can infiltrate the NRA, if you can inf- influence the NRA then you can influence Republican politicians, and you don't need direct collusions for that. Right. All you need to do is have people like this woman running around, you know, sleeping with random Republicans, you know, going to on the convention floor. I think Rahul, the, the thing that you left out, she actually even asked Trump. A question at one of these um, NRA forums in 2015. So she actually got you know close enough where she was able to ask Trump a question. Does that mean they're working together? No, I'm not implying that at all. But she was in a position to ask a question and influence an answer, right? So I think it's um, it's just again another another nuance point in the the broader. Russian interference. Again, I'm not using the term meddling because meddling sounds it was like, oh, I just meddle a little bit, you know. I just like, Ooh, like we're just meddling. Yeah, just did little, it was like had to go last night or day. Oh, we just meddle a little bit versus <laughs> you know, I, we we interfered. Okay, like wait, well, that's that's the wrong way, wrong 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 connotation. Um, anyway, Rahul, should we dive into the clown of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have anyone in mind that you're thinking of? Yeah, you know th- this. This was you know um, this was tough for me this week to decide on who was the clown um, that I would put forward because I, I didn't want to go back to the old cesspool of clowns, right? But uh, I'm actually gonna gonna nominate Paul Ryan this week, okay? Who, a bit of an outsider, a dark horse pick, <laughs> um, and it's because Paul Ryan, who is a spineless 
bastard, okay, who is the, you know, obviously the uh, Speaker of the House. He told us that he's, he's basically effectively not going to run for re-election until he's going to be stepping down at the end of, of, of this year. And he is someone who is in a prime position to do something about Trump and the, the horrible, horrible legacy that he's leaving behind. And the, this obviously, you know, this week with the, the Helsinki summit and the Helsinki uh, handshake, Rahul called it the Helsinki hand job that took place. He finally got enough courage to say that Trump was wrong, that the intelligence community was to be believed and that Putin, no matter how sternly he denied it was, was wrong and that they did interfere. And why he's a clown in my eyes because he finally grew a spine to say, no, that those response, that response was inappropriate. You need to side with America, not the president of Russia, okay, which is like the easiest statement to make, and and it took Ryan like you know a long time to do that. So kudos to you, Paul Ryan, for finally growing a spine and sticking up for the American people over the president of of Russia. Um, but that, in my eyes, was 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 a clownish move because don't just go out there and say that he needs to side with America, you know. Put forward a vote that says that actually the you know Russia interfered in the election. You know, come out and do something to make some kind of a legislative use your legislative powers for good here, Paul Ryan. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he he couldn't even bring himself to do that, he was just such a clown in my eyes. So no, think, Paul Ryan is my is my nominee. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good nominee. And I mean, it's I don't even think he you know quote unquote grew a spine this week. It was more that. I think he has a routine. He has a playbook of just like creating a mirage image of having a spine, yeah. you know, like it, but then as soon <laughs> yeah. as you like, as soon as you try to like touch the spine and see like, is it, is it actually holding up uh, the, the, the rest of the body? It like melts and just like turns into a pool of mush. He's just um, a sea urchin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's an, he's an invertebrate uh, as they would say scientifically. Um, yeah, no, I think, so he's- you know, yeah, I think he, he's a he's a worthy clown of the week, and I think before he leaves office, I hope he uh, I hope he comes up on this conversation many more times. Um, Absolutely. I, so I'm gonna go a little bit throwback. I know this is a it's been a few weeks since we recorded. Actually, it's been about a month. Actually, we've had to take a couple of weeks off, but I wanted to go back and revisit the Supreme Court because that was I, I think more than a most of the kind of outrageous shit that's happening in the Trump administration, the the announcement that Anthony Kennedy was going to step down from the Supreme Court this year really pissed me off and really depressed me as well because of oh, the yeah. far-reaching consequences for, you know, a, a generation or more, um, as opposed to, like, you know, one policy that someone, a Democrat, could reverse in 2021 or something. Um, the 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 news that yeah Anthony Kennedy chose this fucking year to step down uh, really made made me put into perspective how much Anthony Kennedy sucks and I I want to nominate him as clown of the week for a couple different reasons number one the timing is so awful uh, we know that like you know obviously like uh, Supreme Court justices that are a little more or that are more on the partisan side they like to retire when there's someone of their own party that takes over you know Kennedy was appointed by Reagan all right fine you know he's a, he's a Republican essentially he's a even even if he's a little more moderate um, of a conservative but to choose this timing in this perilous time for our Constitution 
to to step down before even there's the chance for the minority party to you know win the midterm elections p- perhaps and create a divided government such that uh, the authoritarian influ- um, uh, impulses of Trump can't take over and the spineless Republicans won't just mindlessly approve whatever jackal Trump would appoint to you know fill the seat. The timing was just fucking awful. He couldn't wait eight months or something or until one more term to announce that he's going to step down. Um, yeah. To, to me, it like recontextualize all of the like maddening uh, tea, tea leave reading of Anthony Kennedy over the years, right? Cause he's the swing vote yeah. uh, and he's often, you know, he'll be the swing vote towards the right. Or there've been times where his swing vote where he sided with liberals, you know, so much attention has been paid to this guy over, you know, I guess, maybe 15 years since like Sandra Day O'Connor retired. She used to be the, the swing justice. Then it became yeah. him. So much attention was paid to him over the years. And I think he fucking pissed on his own legacy by, uh, by stepping down at this time. Um, like I, even if you don't want to come off as partisan and think and think, and he thinks to himself like, yo, I'm old. I'm like fucking 83 or something. Like, why can't I step down this year? Like, it's obvious if you just, if if you don't live under a rock, it's obvious how fraught and frail our democracy is in this moment. So for yeah. him as the swing moderate, quote unquote, moderate justice to step down now and to hand over the Supreme Court to an idiot, not just a Republican, but a fucking moron is negligent, I would say, from Kennedy's part. Um, and a, a couple more things I would add are that um, in his it was sort of actually being predicted that. He was going to step down. There had been some like articles I'd read that were before he announced it. It was like you could tell from things he was saying in the court or things that were coming out in um, decisions uh, before before he announced his retirement. Like some of the things he was saying in his decisions sounded like an old guy who's saying, fuck this. Like, I'm I'm done. done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I found that very disheartening. And at the time when they were predicting like he's going to leave, I was like, oh, God, please no. Uh, Because. To his credit, he's often been someone who his decisions are based on the idea of like conserving personal liberty, uh, you know, whether that ends up being kind of a conservative decision or a liberal decision. So he was the swing vote on Obergefell v. Hodges, the gay marriage case. He was also the swing vote on Citizens United, which he also felt was something where it's like, you know, too much regulation on campaign finances, like an infringement on personal liberty or something. But to step down in this manner under an administration that's ripping apart like babies from families and uh, openly discriminating against certain religions, specifically Islam. uh, And for him to just say, fuck it at this point, it undermines this whole notion that like he was a champion of personal Liberty. It's, it's, it's bullshit. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're, how can you be a champion of personal Liberty and you're allowing the most totalitarian authoritarian leader uh, in U.S. history, to you know, appoint your successor. I mean, it's 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 kind of just like it's a cop out. I mean, look at Ginsburg. Ginsburg is probably, you know, the 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 one who would benefit the most from retiring at this stage, right? And she knows she can't because then there would be just like utter domination. Um, you know, Rahul, I, I I agree with your point, and actually, I would I would nominate uh, and I would agree that Kennedy is the clown of the week just for those very reasons. Yeah, I know it's been ideally if we had the time to record this episode a couple weeks earlier, this would have been a little more relevant or 
coming fresh off of Kennedy stepping down. But um, I, th- I think he deserves to, you know, one last time in his career to at least be, um, you know, be crowned clown of the week uh, once. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and we'll see what happens with the, the probable successor, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, my best case scenario with this guy Kavanaugh or whoever Trump would pick is that this turns into a David Souter situation where for those of you oh, out there yeah. that are Supreme Court buffs, uh, George W. George H. W. Bush nominated David Souter to the Supreme Court, but inadvertently it turned out, oh, he was actually a liberal. <laughs> so yeah. um, I have minor hope that this could happen in that, like, uh, the tea leaf reading on, on Trump's nomination of Kavanaugh was that the, the more conservative types within the Republican Party didn't want Kavanaugh, but probably Trump's people want him because he would be a swing vote in favor of like Trump, I don't know, like pardoning himself or like all the kind of rush, like Russia Mueller investigation stuff probably benefits Trump with this guy Kavanaugh. But then let's say outside of that, he may not be the most conservative, like anti Roe v. Wade guy possible. So uh, I, I hope that that's the case that like this nomination and probable appointment of Kavanaugh. Maybe this guy's not as crazy as like someone they Mike Pence. Was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, but, absolutely. But Trump well, was appointing him because he's like, oh, this guy will like let me pardon myself if I want. Absolutely, yeah, because he thinks that it, he thinks it's a mistake that um, that they actually tried to impeach Clinton, um, even Nixon. though he was. Uh, n- well, it, well, yeah, and also Clinton because didn't, Brett Kavanaugh didn't hmm. he serve on the on Ken Starr's? Um, oh, that's right, Ken Starr's uh, basically special, you know, uh, attorneys or advisors. So he thought he thought that was a mistake. Now, uh, hmm. so he he doesn't think that the president should be impeached um, or investigated. Right. And, I the, and I think the thing with Nixon was that I think he had, he had written a paper or he had like made some. He had issued some some sort of statement that alluded to the idea that he disagreed with the idea of Nixon being forced to turn over those secret tapes, right? I think yeah. it was like the Supreme Court forced Nixon to turn them over, and Kavanaugh made some statement or some opinion at some point that alluded to that that was misguided. So, um, you know, I guess the balance here is like Kavanaugh is pro corruption, but maybe not as like staunchly crazy conservative on other things so i don't, I don't know <laughs> it's a toss up yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god well rahul i think you've done it um i would agree that um anthony kennedy is the clown of the week so here we go anthony kennedy you know slow clap for being a clown um and look it's it's been another phenomenal week it's treason season uh and i'd love to tell you folks that you know it's coming to the end of treason season but you know get your um Get your, you know, impeachment umbrellas ready because who knows what's going to be raining down uh, when it comes to all of the intrigue over the coming weeks. So thanks for, uh, for listening again, folks, uh, and we'll be back uh, shortly. Have a good week, everyone.